I imagine sort of Sam Harris saying, um, oh, having a, a, a totem or an icon, what was the word he used? A talisman. Yeah. Um, that's all that's all nonsense but then yeah he probably wears a he probably wears a wedding ring right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's like there's ex these exceptions that uh, are uh, these practices that we still carry on today although actually men wearing wedding rings isn't that traditional if you really look into it but my point is that if you if you bring up the you know things like celebrating christmas uh you, you point out the things that people actually do that mm. you go oh well that's not a talisman that's that's just a symbol that I carry around to, you know, remind me and to show other people and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. They get it, but only when you apply it to something they actually do. So today we're speaking with YouTuber and illustrator Pose Law. She has a great weekly show about reactionary women's issues, and there's a link to her channel in the description. We talk about returning to religion from new atheism, tradition, returning to tradition, her experiences with motherhood and village life. And I can see there's a sort of um, overlap with that sort of meaning crisis space that you, you spoke to Paul Vanderclay. And I know that you're involved in this. Of course, you've got the show on Academic Agents uh, channel as well, right? So you're in the reactionary space as well. And it does seem like there's a really strong overlap between that as a people that were formerly, formerly atheists or formerly, formerly agnostic or whatnot that are that are perhaps looking for meaning we're all doing these attack videos we're all doing these videos about attacking the enemy but we don't have this half this thing underneath that gives us meaning right and you all, and you started a sort of new series you didn't exactly continue it but you are doing that with this woman's thing but anyway where are you on your relig your religious journey maybe you can talk about that a bit expand on where you yeah, are yeah that's a well it's definitely a a torturous path but i think it's one as you've suggested that a lot of people have been on where you start off in a kind of very rational uh, Richard Dawkins kind of place where it's all about evolution and applying sort of logical principles to things. And it's all very easy to figure out. And um, if only we could move to a, a libertarian open market, um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. And, but then it, the more you dig deeper, the more it feels like the, the crisis that we're in at the moment, it's not just, woke madness that started in 2016 like it's actually yeah. a much deeper rot that's been going on for longer than this and it's Long not just a bunch of um you know blue-haired feminists shrieking it's a um it's a disease that's in uh a lot of modern people there's a lot mm. of um depression and uh sort of just even to call it depression is a little bit too clinical when really i'm talking about a sort of spiritual ache mm. in the hearts of lots of modern people where mm. the life that we um the, the modern life that a lot of us live that we're sort of led down by um the way that society is set up is just not very nourishing to the mm. spirit and it's difficult to find those things in life that give human beings meaning even if we have all of the material um conditions of happiness met where we you know mm. it's i'm very grateful for being sheltered and well fed and having plenty of clean water and mm. uh, lots of books to read and tv shows to watch uh I, I'm, I'm totally grateful for all of those things but the the abundance of material wealth only makes it more obvious when um so many other people are lacking mm. more of a a, a, a deep soulful nourishment <laughs> mm. to use a, a slightly awkward term. And that's something once all of the other um, debunking SJWs destroyed by facts and logic, Ben Shapiro <laughs> has been exhausted yeah. and you're kind of bored of that. You start to look for, you know, what, what is really, what what is really causing so much, suffering in the modern world like what are the true issues that are affecting uh real people um mm. not not just a bunch of um loonies in uh, in universities mm. well so you are i mean you are attending weekly still is that, that that's sort of your you are are you i mean okay where i uh i mean are you still a materialist are you sort of are you are you have you always been a, a materialist if you are uh, are you moving to is it a practice yeah, I, you're engaging with? But that's that's. Well, I think even to I've stopped even trying to put words on like I'm a this or I'm a that. Where I think 
you know, actions speak so much louder than words. And sometimes, sure. you know, yeah, it, it, I like going to church. I think it's really important to bring my daughters to church and bring them up in that tradition so that mm. they can choose when they're older what they want to do. And But I think it's more about just getting into habits that I think are good habits, whether or not I believe this or that, or really, I've stopped even really interrogating what I believe and calling myself an atheist yeah. or agnostic or Christian. Um, yeah, unless I'm put on the spot. <laughs> but I think even to put myself under a microscope like that, I don't think I can really trust the answers that I get. Uh, I think that's that's a really interesting part of the the human experiences. That a lot of the most profound experiences that we have don't really make sense if you mm. try to interrogate them too much and to <laughs> to try to explain them to other people or put words on it. Uh, it doesn't really it doesn't well, really capture it. Even if you can try to get it across, it's um, there's a certain. I, I, I really was really interested in your conversation with um, Morgoth talking about this. Uh, sorry to take the <laughs> change the topic, but no, this, I, this I, can I, go anywhere. So go on. Well, there's something interesting. Mm. Something I, I don't know if he, if Morgoth said this, or if you said it, or if it was just some sort of chemistry happening with your conversation in my brain. But that um, that, that was why. There was a takeaway that I really enjoyed from that interview was this idea that you, this sort of way of living authentically, where um, you know, it was just before Christmas, and you, I, I've been thinking about this a lot lately. Where you know, you celebrate Christmas and you get presents for people, and they get presents for you, and you sit down and have a meal, and it, none of those things really make sense on a logical, like economic mm, yes, level. Yes. But, you know, sometimes you get someone a voucher that's for like 20 pounds and i kind of think well the thing i buy with 20 pounds i probably actually will like yes. that more than the thing that you would have got got me you know broken broken window fallacy and all that yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah the, but it's it's better to get a gift and i like to give people gifts and i like to get gifts from people and and you can interrogate that and say well it's not very economically efficient but i think that people get a lot out of um, the, the present giving ritual of Christmas and, and Christmas more, more broadly is so much more than just the presents. Mm. Of course, but that's um, every Christmas message of every Christmas movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but it's different than that. That's the thing too, is that it's what you're talking about is that the problem is propositional knowledge, right? Is it saying, Oh, are you this or are you that? And you start rendering into a proposition in your head, or oh, am I that? And you start l linking together logic gates to see whether you are a materialist or whatever. And that's the same with Christmas. It's perspectival knowledge. It's underneath that. It's a different type of thing that can't be rendered into a proposition. And I, over Christmas, I had the same uh, epiphany that you're talking about, really, is that um, my mother had bought me a bunch of presents. And I thought, oh, well, you won't use that. You won't. Uh, can I return that or whatever? And I realized, no, it's not about, you know, because I, I didn't need it. Right. But it's not about that. Who cares? And even my uh, my brother, um, I bought him some cologne he, and he bought me a, a gift card. And I just realized that years and years ago, I thought, well, why don't we just exchange? We could exchange money or whatnot. Right. Because it's just but who cares? It's not about the gift. It's the ritual of it. And my mother got quite insulted when I said, oh, do you have can you can I return? Uh, do you have the receipts for this? Right. And I, oh, yeah. I, I, I used to think, I used to think utilitarian-wise, thinking, oh, why are you getting assaulted about this? Because it's not about that. It's a ritual of giving. Just accept the gift. You're rejecting her sacrifice, which is what Christmas is. You're sacrificing some of your income to give them a gift. It doesn't matter what the gift necessarily is. Same with a meal. If you reject the food on the, that someone brings, you don't eat it. You're rejecting the sacrifice that you're all coming together as a family to sacrifice for the unit of which you are. Yeah. So... I understand exactly what you're saying. And uh, I think the more we, less we think utilitarian about things, the more we, the less we think propositionally and try to just let things into our being as they are, you just notice things. They just pop up. They pop up. Um, sorry. Yeah. Bro, yeah. yeah but if you, um, I, I kind of started to get into this, uh, what do you call it? I got, I got a little bit bored and a little bit uh, depressed. <laughs> Look, when this, sort of economic principles are applied to romance it's something that we see so much um lately and i kind of got interested in that whole space thinking about these courtship rituals and the way people choose their um sexual and romantic partners uh, there's a lot of 
for ages I got really interested in all that stuff because I, I I'm interested in um, evolution and in human psychology and then one day I just sort of realized that I don't even really believe that people fall in love <laughs> like I just completely lost this romantic <laughs> idea of what it is to fall in love and yet when I analyze my own life that's not what I find at all where mm. I, you know, I I know what it feels like to be in love and it, it's not a you know rational decision based on you know which man is the tallest and has the most money <laughs> yeah uh, so it's it, I think it, it, there's it, it sounds so kind of corny <laughs> a bit and cheesy to to say it but uh, life is a lot more than what you can um just sort of write down and analyze it in that way even if it, that is interesting from a scientific perspective and we can learn a lot from it uh there's there's only so far that that can bring you in terms of understanding life and uh well, understanding ir- the world it's irreducible some for a lot of phenomena are irreducible and that's the trouble with this uh this uh, analytical taking things out of their context that's what science does you pull it out of its context and you say what's this do on its own out in its, this experiment uh, but there are plenty of phenomena that, that suddenly just don't exist when you pull a piece out. It's, it's not the sum of its parts, right? It's emergence. And that same goes for qualities. You can't tell the qualities of uh, a certain uh, a color or whatnot from the uh, quantitative uh, addition of where, which particle hits this and that. And I'm not even talking about it spiritually. There are emergent things that you can't understand at all um, with, with that approach, with that reductive, reductionist approach, right? So it's not only, this isn't woo, it's, this isn't saying, oh, it's just, oh, you know, humans just have this. It's no, all no. about star science, that's what I've been thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, you, gotta, you always have to diffuse that because people start thinking, you're going, oh, you're talking about sort of spiritual, uh, whatever, that's not hard, whatever, science or whatnot. But no, it is. When you start getting into those complexity science elements, right, these things mm. really do, um, are irreducible. Um, and I think, the, sorry, go, you're about to say. No, I was going to say, to answer your question about church, that's, that's what I've been, um, that's what I've been finding at church is just to continue going, to, to read the, the stories and to not engage too much with, you know, trying to analyze whether or not I believe it or not, if mm. that makes sense. The way that, um, people would often ask me, like, do you believe in God? And it's very, um, Jordan Peterson's become the, the the kind of headline case of the like, oh, well, what do you mean by believe? I think the, the tradition of church going and of Christianity, it it didn't really stand up to that question of like, do you believe in God? Like before the question really even existed, people just did it anyway and, and didn't ask the question, if that makes sense. So there wasn't a bunch of people who believe in God the way that we today have people who believe in God. I think that their their beliefs were much more based in praxis, in mm. activities mm. that were church-related. They weren't all observing Christians and very um, very pious people um, that they had just as much as, you know, maybe not quite as much. Mm. <laughs> At various times in history, there's been, um, there's always been moral degeneracy and um, and crime and evil that don't necessarily correlate to the amount of religiosity, but um, practices like praying and church going and uh, things like, um, you know, using uh, expressions like uh, uh, thank God for this or bless you or Mm. things that just entered everyday speech that, um, Mm. you know, a lot of, uh, a lot of pieces of speech, a lot of phrases in the English language, people don't even realize come from the Bible, from the English Mm. translation of uh, of the Bible from hundreds of years ago, mm. uh, I find that kind of interesting. But the, the the way that Christianity was kind of seeped into everyday culture and high culture, right? The buildings and the paintings as well, obviously. Um, it, I think that the the way people used to practice re- religion was very different to how we do it now. Not just in the fact that people did it more, but the in the sense that there weren't the sort of categories of believers and non-believers mm. uh people who didn't believe were kind of just well they're the ones who don't fancy going to church they don't, they don't really get much out of it yeah <laughs> I, I hope i'm making some sense there no no you are definitely i i think that when you talk about that it makes a lot of sense because say you get some new propositional thing from some scientific paper 
you read it, you say, okay, I believe that. I believe that. But nothing fundamentally changes. Even fundamental things. You, you, someone tells you about the science and the, 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 big, the big Bang, and you suddenly go, oh, okay, this is the fundamental thing of the universe. But nothing changes like, like, ontologically for you. Nothing really changes perspectively. So the idea that you're going to go suddenly, yeah, you can be logicked into it to say that I believe in resurrection, all that sort of stuff, right? But the idea that that's going to be the thing that changes your perspective ontologically, no, it's the whole ritual, it's the whole life of it that does. And it's the thing over time, it takes practice. And then that changes. And for me, I don't, I'm sort of untrusting of people too that aren't, like say people, like the, the between idealism, which is sort of this idea that everything is mind, uh, fundamentally everything is units of consciousness, right? Not, not panpsychism, but just at its base, right? This is sort of Schopenhauer, all these other guys, and then the physicalists. I'm not trusting of people that haven't been in both camps because they, don't have the, they haven't uh, converted into the perspectival knowledge, right? So say you've always been a materialist, and they say, no, materialism's definitely right. Well, hang on. You should at least be able to do the philosopher's work to convert into something, right? Because you can do all the neoplatonic practices and all that stuff. And then you've had the perspectival knowledge, procedural knowledge, all that stuff of both, and you've made whatever qualitative judgment. But you get, I think it's fine you get too many people that have always just been in one camp. It's like, I'm this, this is right. But at least the people that have been both, you can say, okay, well, they've been in both sort of areas, right? And the other thing that came up for me when you were talking was this idea that icons work, talismans work, right? People think, oh, that's just a prop or that's just a thing. No, they have effects on your psyche that you don't even realize, right? When you carry an icon with you, your pocket, it does things. Just like having a phone with you, you know? Yeah. Well, I it's funny it... that you know, people, you can hear someone, you know, think of, I imagine sort of Sam Harris saying, um, oh, having a, a, a totem or an icon, what was the word he is? A, a talisman. Yeah. Um, that's all that's all nonsense but then yeah he probably wears a he probably wears a wedding ring right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's like there's ex- there's exceptions that uh, are uh, these practices that we still carry on today although actually men wearing wedding rings isn't that traditional if you really look into it but my point is that if you if you bring up the you know things like celebrating christmas uh you, you point out the things that people actually do that mm. you go oh well that's not a talisman that's that's just a symbol that I carry around to, you know, remind me and to show other people and blah, 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 blah. They yeah. get it, but only when you apply it to something they actually do. Yeah. It's like the placebo effect. It's like the, um, and think about that wedding ring is a perfect one. Do you not think, Sam Harris, that if you took off your wedding ring, that's not going to have some sort of effect with everyone around you and you just not having it on? Think about it. Yeah. There's a reason why people used to wear wedding rings to not be approached in bars or they used to do this and that. I mean, that's just psychological, but it, it has literally an effect on, on, uh, on you too uh, when you wear these things. Obviously, that's a very simple one, but even symbolically, right? A ring, a ring is a circle that uh, is a circumference around something. It, it, uh, it's bondage. It's bonding you to someone else. It says, I'm bonded by that. I think these things are recognized unconsciously as well. It's not just mm. a... Right, and we, like we like I just said, the placebo effect is is a uh, very easy example, and I of, of of that sort of thing going on. But I think as technology speeds up, we see I think more people are realizing, oh, all these ancient effects, all these what the ancients talked about about hyper agencies, demons, all that sort of thing. They see, oh, maybe this there's something to this, right? As you see principalities forming online, right? You even see it in our space. There's principalities, there's the Nietzscheans, there's the you know, Heideggerians, you know, academic agent has a principality around him. And so like the, the people that are more personality type types really do form. Uh 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 Carl Benjamin, right? He had a lot of people below him that were sort of like him, sort of not the clonish like him, you know, of that, right? It's sort of these things and I think magic's real in that way, right? It's it's uh, you saw a lot of things that manifested from 4chan uh, in reality. Um, well, yeah, I think uh, I've sort of um, come to the conclusion that magic is is real in some sense. Where yeah. uh, I, I talked about this in a live stream with um, Lambda uh, Luke Luke Avery. Uh, he uh, he came around and we talked about. Um, wholesome speech in the but what does the bible say about swearing and how to use your speech in in a godly manner and not a not to ill use speech things like gossip and 
um, mm. other things that aren't certainly aren't criminal, things that aren't lying necessarily. But um, I think it's funny how people will say that you know, magic is stupid. Like you can't change you, you can't change the matter of the universe by saying a word. Right? There's no words that can produce magic spells. Um, and you know, like the wedding ring. I, I'm not going to say them here because there are words that I could speak right now that would that, yeah. that would nuke your channel from orbit. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that that you know, words are magic. Like you can mm, actually sorry, speak yeah. magic spells. Yeah. In a, you know, in a in a way. Uh, for people who um, people who don't know me who are watching this, you know, I'm I'm not crazy. I'm not saying, I'm not about to say a a, a literal in- incantation, but I just mean that the the very people who don't uh, who be quickest to dismiss the idea of um speech being having, having any kind of magical properties would also um have something to say if i started using certain words yeah yeah but the ancients also knew what people think oh well, oh well that's not what they meant no a lot of the time that is what they meant it was a symbolic under magic it's a symbolic understanding of okay also mind being a microcosm of heaven right so this idea that spirits being in the mind is perfectly uh, gels with the ancient thinking. It was always a microcosm of heaven. The human is a microcosm of, of uh, the sky, right? So and think about it, like the sky spirits, that's where the daemons are, right? They always knew that human was the same thing. So in the mind, it was another sky. There's another sky there. And so when you think about it symbolically, you understand that, okay, these were ways in which overall encompassing ways that they used to understand these higher order phenomena and in fact they're actually better at understanding them because our reductive methods where we break things down and make billiard balls hit billiard balls like newtonium that works for grand things when you get really complex you need overarching theories that aren't you can't track the causality of this and this and this uh hitting this so in fact that's why you see people like um pajo talking to people like viveki who's a complexity scientist talking to an ancient thinker because these symbolic things, these overarching theories, they were working on that for thousands of years to encompass this phenomena. So, of course, that's going to be better at it than this old way, the Victorian way of, of uh, thinking about um, that sort of thing. Yeah. Well, most people um, in history and also today, maybe more today, <laughs> just aren't um, interested enough or maybe even intelligent enough to really comprehend sort of more than one complicated thing at a time mm. and i'd say that uh the concept of god and religion is like 16 really complicated things all at once that mm. <laughs> if you if you wanted to make religion perfectly secular and pass on everything that you learn from christianity as a science lesson to say uh, as a morality lesson it would take you many many more times sort of longer and even then most people still wouldn't be able to understand it mm. and the it really to, to package things up into stories whether they be religious or whether they be you know movies and books uh and poems and conversations uh that there's much more that could be transmitted that way uh and to on a much simpler level that even children mm. can understand mm. people don't really recognize the power of uh the power of a story. I think a lot of people these days too think, oh, this woke propaganda, this woke propaganda at the moment, but it always existed. They were pushing the neoliberalism for a long time, right? That sort of regime narrative that... Um, I do agree with that Breitbart thing, culture being downstream from... Uh, uh, power, politics being downstream from culture. I'm not necessarily sure I agree with the culture being downstream from law that uh, academic agents says. Um, because mythos is underneath all that. It's pre-law. You can't eradicate it because people are telling those stories to each other anyway. You can do it top-down, centralized. You can well, do cu- that. Culturism, but... I, th- I think culture, what people mean when they say culture is it's sort of the, the old like firmware, software analogy where everything that's different between humans is called culture, like different between different populations on Earth. We call that culture, but deeper than culture is everything that we have in common. Um, which is just sort of taken for granted. We don't even call that culture because it's just the firmware. Like it's just what it means to be a human, you know, eating food and and going to sleep at night and all of that really, really basic stuff that all humans have in common. Uh, That's, I think stories, they, 
you can tell stories that are cross-culturally interesting. You know, you can yeah. put on an Avengers movie and there's probably, if you put on the right kind of subtitles or dubbing, anyone on Earth could enjoy that. Mm. Um, and even more so for the uh, much more ancient kind of myths. Uh, although with um, sort of global, uh, global homogenization, maybe the latest things out of Hollywood are probably more for mass consumption than um, something like the uh, Robin Hood video that I was just watching on your, your channel, which is more, um, I don't know, it's, it, it, Robin Hood is kind of English and French, so I don't know, it's kind of more specific to perhaps our part of the oh, world. Oh, absolutely. No, 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 there's, there's no, yes, there are general human stories that are, that are, you've got basic cognitive things that all humans do, but no, when it comes to certain stories, that even the dragon slaying is particular to the West in general, right? Dragon slaying, the heroic thing, is very particular to us. Other yeah, people I mean, do the, have the Chinese, heroes. The Chinese but... have dragons. I don't know if they um, they kill them in their mythology, if they're more sort no, of heroic they're, beings. No, they're beneficial. And also, when you look at uh, Semitic religion, the idea of slaying the dragon is, is something God does. It's like the state, basically. But for us in the West, it's the hero. It's the, in, the sort of individual that goes out. Not, I'm not pushing individualism here. I just mean that it's the hero, that will, the person that goes out and acts on the world. It's, just, it's, it's sort of, it's, yeah, and that's consistent across all of it. And I don't think anyone else is like that. That dragon slaying thing's particular to us, I think. Um, but in terms of Robin Hood, yes, I think I would say with what you're talking about, there's a sort of second firmware layer. Um, you've got the basic human firmware, but you could, I mean, can you call it firmware? I don't know. Jung talked about the psychoid, which is a sort of halfway between psyche and something biological. But I do think there's a... Yeah, anyway, point is, there is a thing that's passed father to son, mother to daughter, that is particular to a people that's, ba that's based on your greatest heroes, right? This is, again, this is this perspectival knowledge. This is procedural. It's not rendered into a proposition. It's just absorbed by you. And there's probably some genetic factors in that as well. Um, or, yeah, uh, Jordan Peterson said uh, that the, I don't know if this is like Jung's research or, or what, that to put it into scientific terms, some people that, you know, speaks to them kind of made sense to me when he talked about like the, the way that the, the neural pathways in your brain, they sort of physically thicken as they get used more. And some of those pathways are preserved between generations so that, when you're born, everyone knows that you know a, a, a human infant at only minutes old can't knows how to seek the the mother's breast mm. to get milk. That's the only thing it knows how to do because that's the only thing it needs needs to know how to do. And that's a that's the most basic thing that's most obvious. But there are also these sort of micro behaviors and ways of thinking that are common to human brains. I don't know if this is true or not. I'm not a neuroscientist, but there's it's like the your your brain is like a tree with thick branches and then you've got lots of sort of capillary little branches mm. and uh, those those thickest branches those are the ones that are shared between humans and those are the ones that get passed down between generations and if you have these stories that are um, really powerful it, it's often because they are they're like hijacking those branches those really strong branches that you've you know that you haven't learned recently yeah, you've been, yeah. you've been you've had them since you were born and you recognize um which uh there's an ancient philosopher says that all all knowledge is remembered yeah and uh yeah, there's that feeling of of kind of recognition when you hear something that is true yes uh, yes and that's that's the that's the idea i think that you yeah it's true. when when you're when you're experiencing that it's because it's it's something it's, it's something that's going along that pathway that exists in your brain already. Yeah, but it's true. You, true. The first time you send something down there, you're like, wow, I, that, <laughs> I never realized that that was true, but I know that it is already. Yeah, it's an underground neural network. It's like a, uh, it's true to Anglo-Saxon being is another way you could you call it. But it's there. It is there. I mean, I've seen it over and over and over again. Even on my videos, people commenting on them are saying, oh, there's something I felt I always knew. Uh, but you've just rendered it into a proposition, right? Um, mm. and, and Jung talked about that too is that it's that you have your ancestors uh, sort of uh, disjointed in your psyche um, and you spend your life individuating that, bringing it together and aligning that to find your own individual path, right? You've got the being the historical being is, is underneath um, he believed though that when something becomes psychic it's when a, a natural uh, instinct when those things are exacted 
for something that is not selfish, right? You know, the selfish gene, Richard Dawkins, for something that's like a god or a daemon or a society, whatever it is, that's when something first becomes psychic and not basically just biological, right? Because it's, it's sort of superseding the, uh, the gene, which would just be for the individual to be more competitive. That's his definition of when something becomes psychic. So, he, and these things sort of interact. There's sort of layers, right? You got the, he has the psychoid, he has that, and then it becomes psychic out of that. And then demons interact with all that sort of thing. Um, yeah, and they can. I guess. Yeah, yeah, good. I guess I um I, I think about babies way way more than a lot of people who don't have the kids are. So I'm sorry if I keep talking about babies. It's just no, it's, on the, it's on the it mind. But, um, <laughs> I, I think when you, when you said that, what I'm thinking of is the um you know when a when a baby first seeks milk that's um that's obviously biological ever you know everyone would agree that that's a mm. that's a biological instinct but then when when a baby first laughs and the you know whoever whoever's there to see it or the you know the parent or the carer whoever um hears the laughter that is that's something like godly that's it's like something mm. religious like an experience mm. that's like that's I think it's really hard to mm. really put into um, a, a logical framework exactly mm. why it is so amazing to hear a child laughing. Mm. Yeah, you know, why is that so um, so enjoyable? <laughs> That's such a, a beautiful experience. Um, it's like, it's, and it's for almost... the like, the fact that the child can laugh and the fact that you enjoy it so much, yeah. it's truly um, very uh, what do you call it? Transcendent, almost. <laughs> Well, it's, I think it kind of is because it's like for the first time, being is in the world. It's not just a creature. It's it's being that's having stuff come into its being and it's reacting and then sort of speaking for the first time. It's reactive being and world to you. And so that's almost going like this, like, you know, in a way, because that's what we are. We are the, the openness. We are the existential bubble that we are. That's what knowledge is, right? No other creature has has the know the knowing we are we are a void in beings for being itself there's nothing else that does that they're just automatons basically all the other creatures but we have the actual world in we have we have world as a thing does that make sense is that the world outside is brought in that's what knowledge is so we have also world which is heidegger called us the guardians of being because we have that between all of us and between when you speak to each other you can open that op- that world to each other. So when I'm explaining things to you, that's opening being my existential bubble to you and growing that, right? That's aside from just nature. And yeah, so that's true. I think there is something transcendent there going on with the, with the baby for the first time. Think about it. What is a laugh? It's reacting to something. And a laugh is a particular human thing. It's, it's a... Not, I mean, I don't think. I other think my point laugh. is that the the laughter is not purely biological. That something is right. much higher than that. It's, yes, it, it's it's social, but even to call it that is too reductionist. I think it's a, um, it's something that human, I, other animals literally do it. Um, so I wouldn't say I wouldn't say only humans do it, but it's something. Um, yeah, like you say, it's something about the. I can't. I don't know. It's like you're not. You're not just looking at the baby as a creature. It's like mm. it's got a. There's a spirit in there that yeah. is laughing. I think in that moment, though, it isn't. Though I think it's for the first time sharing its being. Right? It isn't a creature anymore. After that, it's not just you know reacting. It's looking. It's seeing. And it's you know I don't have a baby, so what the hell do I know? <laughs> but, but but yeah, that seems to me that 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 is you know that is the case, right? So yeah, I mean you're a new mother, aren't you? So you're well, I don't know. Oh, not, not not that new anymore. So I have a um I have a baby, but she's not my first. I have a, a three year old right. who's um. Uh, yeah, just completely grown out of the baby phase in a way that I, I constantly staggered by the fact that like the that she's she's so much a person and like, I can't even relate what she is now to when when she was a, a baby who couldn't laugh or talk or anything. Completely unrecognizable. Like mm. I I know in my mind that it's her in the photos and in my memories, but in you know, when I look at her now, it's not the same person mm. at all like they have nothing in common and it's only mm. she's only three years away from it <laughs> mm. yeah right how, how do you 
Mm-hmm. How do you feel about that sort of, because you participate in this sort of reactionary or whatever you want to call it, dissident right, whatever you want to call it, new right. Are we calling them central, sensible centrists? Oh, sensible. <laughs> are, we, are we? Well, okay. We don't well, be- I don't believe anything that is radical or extreme. I only believe Oh, yeah, nothing's extreme. Sense, nothing's extreme. What everyone right? thinks. Uh, I didn't say anything radical, by the way. But yeah, I, I, yeah, I understand the, the, the reason for that project, that sensible centrist project idea. But anyway... I'm still I'm still saying it with a bit of a wink. I think some people are saying it uh, sincerely, but I still find it somewhat amusing. I mean, there's <laughs> Sorry, tru- God, what are you going to say? Well, yeah, there's truth to it in the sense that the tra- the traditional center is actually the true place. I don't care about the rest of the sensible stuff, but the center is actually where the traditional being is supposed to be. The traditional Englishness, right? It's only the modernism that's sort of this the progress that's stripped away that traditional center. So there is sort of truth to it symbolically, but I don't think that's how they mean it. It's obviously a very political term. I get the need for it, right? So I don't disapprove of what, what they're doing. But I, I would just, what I was going to talk about was your just interaction with the community, right? You've been to some of those events, the shielding events. Um, how has that evolution been? I mean, you just started as a YouTuber posting videos. And I saw one with your mother, um, you know, just regular videos. And you're sort of entering community now, hosting a show on a pretty big YouTuber's uh, and you're a pretty big YouTuber now as well, right? So how do you feel about that with the raising children, but you're also in this space, this re- sort of resistant space or sensible <laughs> sense space? Uh, how's that changed for you? What, now you've had children, do you, feel, do you feel a pressure or the risk of it or whatnot? Because you are speaking about issues that are, could, could be considered dangerous, even though they're not really. But yeah. They, yeah, you know, I, I used to when I first started making videos, I was terrified. Even though the, my oldest videos are the most like lukewarm, stale takes ever, I was still terrified that someone I know was going to find them, uh-huh. someone I work with, or someone was going to dob me in. Like I was, um, like I was engaging in just completely wrong thing. Uh, and the the longer and longer that went, and nothing happened, I just got more and more comfortable um, mm. doing it and saying things that I really think, saying things that I think are interesting. And just not being so scared about getting uh, getting fired or getting in trouble with uh, with, with anyone. Um, that's with. I, I guess with having children, it does make you. You know, I do have to think about the future, but I also think it's. Um, I don't know. For YouTube for me, a lot of people, it's like a an epic quest. <laughs> like we're really going to fix the world. Um, but for me, I think it's, to be honest with you, it's never been more than a, a fairly interesting conversation and a way to um, f- figure out what's on my mind when uh, it, maybe it's a typical female thing is just to put things you know, into a chat where you, once you say things out loud, it helps you order your own thinking mm. and to see other people uh, reacting to that comments and then especially getting into live streams and talking to people directly uh actually youtube comments not surprisingly but <laughs> aren't that interesting in terms of um often in t- intellectual uh content they're they're mm. usually um more or less just someone saying like i liked the video or i didn't like your video <laughs> mm, uh, they, they don't have much content beyond that but once i got started getting invited on to like interviews and live streams and going to events and meeting people there's a lot of really rich intellectual discussion that i just couldn't mm. get any other way mm. outside of talking to my husband I've, I've never had the opportunity to have such a um such a stimulating intellectual life as mm. uh, the opportunity i've got from doing youtube and i felt especially at the events where um you know joined by the <laughs> what i consider like giants compared to me um and just being able to like sit down and have a drink and chat with them mm. um and not even always talking about really uh really deep topics necessarily but just to have peers you know to be something like a, a peerhood with um people who are, are so interesting and uh and clever even if i don't always agree with them obviously gotta gotta put that disclaimer in there <laughs> uh but yeah it's been a uh, very enriching and I've, I've over the years just become less and less worried about um the consequences of it and just sort of followed it as uh, that's this is mm. what's providing me with uh, a lot of um a lot of nourishment so yeah, it's nourishment. um it's worth the risk i think <laughs> yeah and i, I yeah it's it's hmm. 
I think it's an opportunity as well, right? Because there aren't, I would say there aren't that many females enter the space. Um, but um, I get that because, of course, it's negative emotion. Um, and it, it's a lot of pressure, right? Because you get attacked and a lot of people sort of um, push uh, evac out of it. Um, I also think there's a tendency too with sometimes I think with reactionary females to sort of bring their old liberal politics into, into the traditional space, which I do think people should be wary of, right? Is that, well, hang on, let's fully, fully convert into this uh, way of being first before we start bringing in. Because uh, I noticed you had one video that said, uh, I'm a feminist again. I thought, oh, okay, shit. <laughs> Maybe let's like convert into this way of being first. But it's but, just yeah. clickbait, you know. I've, I, oh, okay, I've right. been, uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of titles like that where I'm basically um, just like <laughs> just like expecting people to click on the video and then type a comment without without even watching it. Basically, um, there, 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 there is that side of it, like on a um, you know what I call like the YouTube grift, where there's 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 the things I'm interested in. And then there's the video I end up making, which is somewhere between the thing I was interested in and what do I think people are going to be interested in watching? Mm. Um, how can I make this into a package that will be consumable mm. uh, instead of just a stream of consciousness is completely um, unintelligible. Mm. So I haven't been doing posting so much lately just because I don't have the, the time to do it um, really. But with, um, with you can see it in like the titles and the thumbnails where I'll try to be really thoughtful in the way that I write and edit the video and then I'll just give it a really silly thumbnail mm. <laughs> and a title because it's like you've got to like there's some yeah, part yeah, of, of me I'm making these videos I could just be talking to myself but I film it and I upload it because you know th there is a little bit of ego there where I do enjoy being on YouTube and mm. having people see it there's there's part of that which is um you know puffs me up a little bit uh, and I want more people to see it. And mm. no, you should. Yeah, I do. Um, I do think about that sometimes. Like how much of this is just <laughs> kind of vanity. But um, I, you know, I, I try not to sell myself out. I really think carefully about you know doing things like um, including my family in videos or um, trying to look pretty in videos. <laughs> trying like I could sexualize myself and get more views. I could be more like bombastic and like react to things, and I could be. You know, I could be more hateful or I could mm. be more I, I could be more sunshine. And I don't know, like there's there's other things I could do to get more views that I don't. Mm. Um, but I still do enjoy getting more attention. But if it's if it's for reasons that I think are legitimate, like, you know, writing a slightly, um, slightly cheeky title mm. for me, I think that's fair game. So when well, I no, say absolutely. I'm a feminist again, I'm not. I yeah, yeah, right. Get okay. people to watch right. it. <laughs> but I, have you been doing more of that lately? Not just church, but have you been going out to say, oh, what does it really mean to be uh, who we are? What is this ness, Englishness, whatever it is? Have you found yourself exploring that since you entered this space at all? Yeah, I think quite aside from the the YouTube and the uh, the podcast and and Twitter and everything, I, I think the the way I've been carrying this out in the world is. Um, well, the, the children, um, that it, it's really hard to sort of pick apart exactly um, how much of our, like, family planning has been influenced by, you know, trying to preserve the, um, you know, the, the, the future of the country. Mm. Um, it's, I wouldn't say that it's, a, that it is or it isn't a part of that. It's just so hard to um, really figure out someone's motivations like that, but um as a consequence of, of being a being a mother and also going to church, it, a lot of other things have come out of that where I sort of just know people in the town now. Mm. Um, and I just, I, I'm trying to become more comfortable about just talking to people, not people who I know, you know politically at, at a meetup yeah. or um, you know, people like you who are interested in my channel, but just ordinary um, English people and uh, not just English people, but just anyone just talking mm. to people um, and trying to connect on, a slightly slightly deeper than surface level to really figure mm. out like what's this person about and i think something that's really helped with that is trying to get involved with the community and just help out where mm. it, it it seems to be like a um 
almost like a, a shortcut to getting to know people uh, instead of like just, just setting them down and interrogating them about what they believe or yeah. um, what kind of person they are. Uh, if you're working on a project together, I find the um, the kinship, the, the feeling mm. of um, the rapport uh, seems to strengthen much quicker than just having mm. a sort of chit chat, small talk. So I find that very helpful. And uh, I'd like to just know more more ordinary people and just yeah what they think um i don't know if that answers your question no i try to do the same thing that's exactly what i was talking about you live in a village right are you are you in a village so what, yeah what, that's right so I, I don't live far from where i was born but this is a village that i've lived in for only um five years uh, and mm. in that time i've already got to know um a lot like i love people where if i walk around and i see people there's a good chance I'll know who it is, even if I don't know mm. their name. Um, I can sort of nod to them, or um, we often just say hello, yeah. <laughs> even if you don't know them. Um, it's just slightly a little bit surprising for me living in a village for the first time. Yeah, it's not like I lived in a city before, but people would just sort of make eye contact and smile, if that. Um, mm. But people in the village actually said hello, so now I start mm. doing it as well. Good morning, or Merry Christmas, or whatever. Mm. Um, very, very nice. Well, you're entering a you are actually entering their world, right? And that's what people don't realize. You're not just a unit, an eco economic unit that walks around. You're entering a being that is a people, the village's being. They know each other, right? Doesn't even know, doesn't even matter how well. They just they are a recognized uh, thing that's in it. So when you enter it, you're it's an organism, right? Um, so what are your routines like? You mentioned you had some projects. Are they things you're doing on a weekly basis to engage with the community what are your weekly daily routines do you walk through i don't know do you walk past the through the village to somewhere i don't know just because people don't live in villages right uh so well, they, or even people like to know people's routines so tell us a bit about your daily and weekly routines <laughs> that are engaging with the community I should make a tiktok about a day in the life of a dissident right influencer <laughs> <laughs> well um, it matters yeah, no, when you are trying to understand English being right. It does sound, sound trivial, right? I know. And the joke is, is funny, but it is, it is actually so bad with modernism, people living in units and buildings that people actually do need to know, you know, how these things all come together. But yeah, just go on. Yeah, the, um, well, the, the projects that we do, uh, they're mostly fundraisers. I, I, I joined the, after I decided to go into church, I joined this um, committee for the preservation of the building, not mm. for the religious activities of the church, but it's a kind of separate organization that just preserves the building and the grounds. Mm. And they hold just fundraisers periodically. Um, and they need, they need people on their committee just to be there to make it um, like a legal committee because <laughs> it's a charity. Mm. They need people literally just to sit there in the room um, at the very basic level. And then if you turn up to the meetings, to help out with that then you eventually get roped in to help with stuff and the thing is that a lot of a lot of churchgoers and a lot of people on these committees they're quite uh you know it's quite advanced in years and any help that uh that i can give like with really absolutely basic technological <laughs> knowledge uh is very helpful for them and also just attending their events and um uh, promoting them uh, I, I help them make posters and to um you know go to on their uh it, you know, if they're doing a stand, but they need someone there to collect money and say hello and all sorts of things. So, mm -hmm. I just got involved with that sort of thing um, in, in my community. That's really not very much of my time, though. Like they they ask for very little mm. <laughs> uh, in terms of just you know, there's one meeting like every every few months, and then they'll have about you know, two or three fundraisers in a year. And mm. other than that, it's just reading their emails. Mm. Um, that's been, but you don't need to you don't need to meet people no. very much to be like a, a feature in their life, like to get a Christmas yeah. card from them. Yeah. Um, you know, you meet someone like four times in a year and that's like, like halfway to being your mm. friend. Kind yeah. of. Um, that doesn't really enough to, um, to feel like I'm really part of the, um, the village. And I hope that the, the people who've lived there for a lot, who lived here for longer, um, think of me that way, at least. Mm. Uh, other than that, <clears throat> I do have a full-time job. Um, I have slightly reduced hours to spend more time with my daughters. Uh, so that's been a, a very nice balance. Uh, with, with a lot of how we talk on, on Whammer now, which is the, the, the name of the, uh, the podcast, it's now on my channel, by the way. It, it started off on the Academic Agents channel, but it's now moved to um, Pose Law, the name of my channel, uh, on Fridays. Um, 
so the way that we talk on there, we, we talk a lot about uh, sort of traditional gender roles and um, you know, traditionally men being the, the main breadwinner of the family and the uh, mother being the sort of care provider for the children and the, and the homemaker, mm. which I very much respect. And I'd love to do that, but um, doesn't quite reflect the reality of um, <laughs> economics and mm. home ownership in, uh, uh, in this year. So unfortunately, I haven't been able to live up to that at the moment i do need to keep a job which i also do you know i get a lot out of my job to be honest um it's, mm. it's enjoyable uh, uh apart from that sorry go on no yeah i was gonna say that um uh so what would you okay you you've you found it very rewarding right have you made friends out of some of the people that you've had on your show because you obviously you focus on women's issues and i do think that's probably good because there aren't that many people doing it um but, uh, I mean, I see a lot of people in my comment section. There's a lot of women in my comment section that are intelligent. And I say, well, maybe, you know, you do seem to have times where sometimes there aren't women on your show, right? And you're looking for people to come do it, right? And say, well, hang on, there's people in this comment section. It's hard to get guests. Well, yeah, right? So, so, so I look at that and I go, well, hang on, there's people in this comment section that could go on that. And I've said, look, the academic agent and opposed law has this thing. You should go and tweet her and go on the show and talk about that. So, yeah, I definitely mean, what, do that. Well, what would you say to what would you say to those people who are watching that, uh, I don't know, that about your, the, the ben, not benefits, but the, I don't know, camaraderie, what's the sisterly one yeah. called, not fraternity, it's, it's, what's it called? Sorority. Yeah. Sorority, yeah. I, um, what would you say to that? Yeah, my, my whole life I've found it, well, maybe not my whole life, but I, it's it's been my experience that it's difficult to make friends with women and to stay friends with women. A lot of the um, the women that I knew from school um, somehow it's just hard to reconnect with them. Uh, and it's been a kind of ambition of mine to to make friends with women who I can kind of relate to um, on a, uh, yeah, a little bit more than a deep, deeper than a sort of chit-chat level to, you know, what I'd call like a true friendship. And um, it's hard to really call people who you meet online, who you, you've never met in real life or hardly met in real life, your friends. But um, I, I'd say that I... I found a, a small community of women who um who I can just chat to in um even if it is just online, but we you know we share photos and we have a laugh and then um doing like doing whammon hour every week is just like one of it's almost like a drop in the ocean compared to how much we interact between right. <laughs> episodes of whammon hour in the um uh in the group chat that we have so that's been that's been very beneficial and i I hope to form more uh, friendships and you know especially female friendships. Mm. Uh, it, through that um, in in the future, um, as well as just making friends with other other women that I meet in in the real world. But mm. uh, I think that it, talking to women, it seems like it's a really um, common experience for a, a lot of people, not just women in um, in the modern world, is trying to just maintain friendships mm. in, in spaces where we kind of uh, are more atomized. People move away from where they're born and you have to sort of make new friends and try and find time to see your friends and have interesting things to talk about when you do meet them. Uh, it's a struggle. Mm. Uh, so if there are, yeah, if there are women in your audience who want to, um, want to have a go on women hour and, um, if it goes well, then, uh, you know, become a, a major feature. That's, uh, <laughs> then, uh, that, that's certainly something I'm, I'm open to. You don't need to have a channel or to, be the significant other of a man who has a channel, which is how we get a lot of our guests, actually. <laughs> really? <laughs> uh, but it's not a requirement at all. Uh, you just yeah, need to yeah, just to be um, be female. We, uh, we when I was on the Academic Agents channel, we had a rule about um, there being only only female-born true women. Um, I, I don't. Uh, I've never had to be really um, strict about that, but that is. Uh, no, that's should something that, you should absolutely that's the be tradition. strict on. No, that's something you should absolutely be 100% strict on. I mean, that's my view. I don't know. Is that spicy? No. Okay. It's it's for women. Anyway. Well, you know what women are like. It's, you know, we want to please everyone. So that's, you know. No, don't be pleasing anyone. It's for it's women. It's hard to say no it's to people. Actual, in actuality. No, no, no. Anyway. <laughs> Whatever. I'll, I'll happily cop that. Whatever. Um but yeah, look, that's great. You know, uh, God bless you, uh, girls, and everything you're doing there. Um, I think, though, it's yeah. Look, you have to be proactive about these things to to I don't know 
people sort of th- wait, wait for things to happen to them. I know there are a lot of people out there that want to participate and do and do and they would probably see your show and just go, oh, oh I don't know. You just got to, I don't know, throw it out there. That's one benefit of faith, right? And God, because you just say, oh, I'm just going to throw this into the ether and and pray. <laughs> you know, when you don't have that, it's yeah. very hard to risk. Sorry, go. Well, I think you, I wouldn't do it if I was just doing it as a chore, like as a um, like a charity work or as a, you know, um, like I'm trying to do good in the world. I'd like I'd rather do good than to do ill in the world, of course. But mm. I don't do it for the um, for the perceived benefit that you know that I'm trying to impose my will on on the universe. Um, you know, I'd, I'd certainly not want there to be any uh, any harm done by my podcast or my channel. But mm. um, if I didn't enjoy doing it, then I wouldn't do it. Uh, mm. And every even if I do, sometimes have to you know drag myself. Um, yeah, I'd rather not do a podcast that week. Uh, I, I always end up enjoying it. Um, mm. Yeah, t- same with making videos, where I think um, you have to you have to enjoy it, even if no one's watching. Like it, it, mm. that's that's the only way to really keep motivated is if you genuinely enjoy just the craft of it. The yeah, the the actual action of doing it the is ritual. enjoyable yeah. and it, it yeah. benefits you. Well, they say that, right? Because so much of our society is goal-oriented. That's actually wrong. It should be. You need to. Yes, it's true. You can have a goal. But that's very uh, late Western, Cartesian, propositional. Oh, I want to do this. You need to actually find something or find a way to fall in love with whatever the process is of what you're doing. I find that you only, in my work, right? Because I've worked in the film industry. The only way I was able to do that was, was obsession. I just don't think any true art is actually real. You're not actually an artist or whatever it is. You have to be obsessed with it. There's a reason why you're in front of the television drawing, drawing, right? Because you're obviously obsessed with whatever it is. <clears throat> That's why I like to say obsession. People say, oh, I'm passionate about this. I'm passionate about this. Are you obsessed? Then maybe you are actually the thing that you're, you know, and you can become obsessed with something because you need that. If you're going to do anything like uh, art and make money doing it or whatever it is, uh, you need to have that I'll find a way to get into that sort of obsession mindset where you're going to survive the blows, right? Because when you first started your YouTube channel, I mean, you probably didn't have the goal to grow or whatever, but, you know, no one's watching. You're just making content. So you better love start liking the process. But it's true, though, when you speak, even when you're speaking at something, it's good for your being. You feel better after it, whatever, it, even if no one's watching it. Um, yeah. Yeah, I... I- there do seem to be some creators, and it, it's it seems to be a, a fairly um, a fairly profitable way to uh, to do YouTube is to um, you know the the more of the sort of the grind the the grift the uh, you know to, to shamelessly uh, just be the most um, spicy yeah out, yeah just sort of outrage farming. Yeah. Uh, content where I don't know how these people get motivated to upload like every day or every other day mm. and to be like that incensed or that um, that passionate about what they're, they're saying. But um, some of the some of the the moderately uh, successful channels, especially on YouTube, seem to be doing that. Um, I don't know how long it will last, but I I, I honestly don't know. Unless it's some kind of demonic possession, I don't understand how they get the motivation to keep doing such a soulless <laughs> uh, grind. That exists, right? I, there's definitely, I've seen so many examples where, mm, that looks like demonic possession. Like that hacker, the guy that hacked that um, GoFundMe from the truckers or whatnot. I thought that's mm. definitely someone who's possessed by some sort of demon. I don't know if you saw the video for that, but anyway. I'm trying to think. Yeah, I'm not sure. The truckers anyway. was... Um, 2020 was it 20 no no later than that yeah something like that but um you know that's about all i sort of had really i don't know if you wanted to say or speak about anything else um uh no i mean uh i'm if you give me the opportunity to uh, promote myself i as well as youtube i also do um i also do illustration which is a, a sort of a more recent i since i've been less able to do youtube lately i've been pouring more of myself into um, doing illustrations and publishing more and that's been really um that's been really encouraging the way that people are actually enjoying that that um I, I post a lot of what i draw on on twitter and people have been asking me for um sort of bespoke images that i've been um 
really happy to supply to people and uh, it's been a really positive experience people in doing drawing for someone in particular is always um really enjoyable for me so mm. uh, if anyone watching wants to check out what i've um what i've produced uh and, and see if you if you like it if you want me to draw anything for you just get in touch i, I uh Using a, a range, a, a reasonable, um, a reasonable fee. <laughs> I try to be, uh, uh, try to come to an arrangement for what you know, what's affordable, what's reasonable. I'm not a professional at all, so I don't charge sort of professional rates. But mm. um, it's been, yeah, that's been that's been a great way to get, you know, just to get to know people as well as to do um, little art projects for them. So, yeah, um, right. Well, that'll be in that's in the description. Thanks so much for coming on. Uh, it was really interesting to hear your journey and everything you've gone through. I think a lot of people can identify with what you've, what your arc, what's going on. Um, even women now, you know, lots of, lots of that going on. So yeah, all the best. Thanks so much for inviting me. <laughs>